Everybody get cosy because I'm here with the plugs for this week's episode of The Winning Agenda. The last few weeks we have seen a veritable plethora of new Patreon supporters, most of which at the fantastic $2 per month entry level. I know this sounds somewhat like a cliche, but seriously, every dollar helps support TWA. And the more supporters we have, the more content we create, the more tournaments we can run. So think of it this way. If you think an episode of TWA to you is worth 50 cents and you got some spare loot, well then chuck us $2 a month. Four shows for $2. We'd really appreciate it. Just lastly, wanted to mention again, the Sand Sand Circuit, the support Australian Netrunner Send an Aussie North branch of the ANRPC, the Android Netrunner Player Circuit, which the winning agenda is very, very proud to be bringing to the great southern land if you want to get involved ask your favorite local game store if they are planning on running a sand sand qualifier and if they are not and they would like to please tell them to send us an email at the winning agenda at gmail.com thank you so much guys we love each and every one of you enjoy this week's episode of the winning agenda Good evening and welcome to episode 74 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight our panellists include 2015 regional top 8 competitor Hollis Echo. Hey, hey, what's going on guys? 2015 regional champion and 2015 Australian Nationals top 8 competitor Wolfie Horrock. Hi. 2014 Australian National champion and 2014 World's top 16 competitor Jesse Marshall. And tonight we are doing our second half of Business First. This time with a look at the corp cards. We're going to start with Advanced Assembly Lines. It's an HB asset, Facility, Res 1, Trash 1, Influence 2. When you res Advanced Assembly lines gain three credits it has the ability trash install a non-agenda card from hq paying the install cost you cannot use this ability during a run we've seen these kind of cool outside of click abilities to install things happening in hb recently i'm going to go to our resident bioroid and efficiency expert wilfie what do you like oh is that me now um so yeah yeah well yeah i was maybe thinking that you would uh be like is it hollis no is it jesse no <laughs> and then we could eventually come to a conclusion but about this card yeah. it obviously from looking at it pairs well with campaigns or melange or anything which gives you a bonus for installing at the end of the runner's turn but i'm not certain that it's efficient enough to make use of that ability so much like unless there's something really like sweet that i can't think of it is fairly efficient but what uh scares me is the one trash cost for the benefit which is not enormous like it's a fairly efficient economy card but not enough to justify that i think but like the fact that you can't use it during a run, I think, shuts off some of the very, very sweet things you can do with it, like installing Ash or Caprice mid-run. They probably did that on purpose, so it's specifically for you. No, no, I was just going to say, if someone can think of something like that, where you get some non-economic benefit that really helps by being installed on the runner's turn, it could be good, I think, but... Uh, Aside from that, the one trash cost really makes me um, wary of it. Next card is Lakshmi Smart Fabrics. It's asset, res 1, trash 3, influence 3. Whenever you res a card, place one power counter on Lakshmi Smart Fabrics. X-hosted power counters reveal an agenda worth X points from HQ. The runner cannot steal copies of that agenda for the remainder of this turn. There are a couple interesting timing things. Whenever you res a card does include resing rakshimi smart fiber itself so when you res it it'll start with one on it which is pretty cool and then the other thing to keep in mind is and i've seen because i've seen this question a lot already is if the runner trashes it during the same turn it's still its ability still sticks around right 
Every time you trigger an ability, it's always independent of its source. Hollis, do you like this card? I don't. And the reason why I don't, the reason why I don't like it is because I don't ever like giving the runner additional information that I don't have to. In this particular case, I, I see the card. I mean, this card is attempting to allow you to um, prevent agendas getting stolen, but it's not even... Um, I also think what I dislike... I think what I dislike the most about it is it doesn't even protect each of the agendas that maybe have the same number of advancement advancement tokens or worth the same number of points. It's specifically just that particular t- uh, copy of that agenda. So on an, on average, you're going to run, what, four different co- four different types of agendas. In the case of HB, you're running... Uh, probably a 1x of Advanced Concept Hopper or a Corporate Sales Team or Efficiency Committee. And then you're running the Accelerated Beta Test and you're probably going to be running a GFI and then you're going to be running uh, Project Vitruvius. So this card is only going to protect at most three of your agendas, at worst a singleton of your agenda that's in your hand that required you to put this card in play and then res cards, not just install cards, for it to be useful. Yeah, I do agree that I think it does ask a lot of you. The next card is Product Recall. It's an Operation Alliance, cost zero, influence two. This card costs zero influence if you have six or more non-alliance HB cards in your deck. Trash a resed asset or upgrade if you do gain credits equal to its trash cost. Wilfie, there's been some talk of this card being in genomics as a resident genomics aficionado as well how do you feel about that oh i'm really i have all the titles now uh, i mean everything, everything nowadays um yeah in terms of this card yeah you are also the soldiers in the art on this card who are hassling a bioroid um i have no comment on that okay but <laughs> in terms of the mechanics of the card i think that it's as you said well suited basically only where you can increase the trash cost of your assets and upgrades artificially i think that using it to cash in a campaign or something else like that or with as a combo with sealed vault is maybe not the best use of one of your card slots especially since there's quite a lot of operation economy available anyway that you don't really need to play ones which have such a harsh drawback as this in requiring something on the board already but i do think that if in some industrial genomics primarily you can often get to situations where you have say five to ten cards in archives and that stays th- that way for a while because the runners got gotten to a point where um the runner's not really happy to spend their resources running into archives they'd rather just ignore your assets and this is a good way to get a huge burst of money in this that situation and so I think that the Alliance text is at its best here compared to some of the other Alliance cards because of the natural use of this out of faction. And I think that you already want to play Eli, and if you can find three more HB cards that work naturally in that kind of deck, this can be very useful since the um, situation where you have a high trash cost asset or upgrade will happen much, much more often than if you're trying to rely on just assets with naturally high trash cost. The first Gentechie card I'm going to concede to my white skin and pronounce as Palana Foods, Sustainable Growth. Identity Division, Deck 45, Influence 15. The first time each turn the runner draws a card, gain one credit. Hollis, I've heard a lot of the Yanks have been really enjoying this card and testing. Have you had a chance to give it a go? I have. Um, one of our Patreon supporters, Beeblum, was able to post his deck list 
uh, around a week or two ago. And um, basically, the day afterward was my local league night, so I sleeved up his version of the deck, and I brought it to uh, our local uh, our local meetup and, uh, to play for a bit. Basically, this, this ability should pretty much just read, when the runner's turn begins, gain one credit. Because um, there's, at least in the current meta, there's a fair amount of wizard, uh, max, and, uh, and noise that are running wildside. So what... I ended up doing is every single game I ended up just gaining a free credit. Combine that with uh, another card that's we're about to talk about later. In short, what it does is it, it's gaining you a one, it's gaining you a credit off click every single turn. And for the mo- for most uh, for most runners, you're going to end up gaining this credit. I want to say 80% of the time because the runner has to basically draw cards in order to be able to play. I mean, everybody does. Generally, it looks like these decks are very similar to RP as far as how they're going about their protection. You're going to be running Caprice and Batty. What I like about these kinds of decks is that they're primarily focusing on using operation-based econ as opposed to asset econ, which is a which is actually useful right now in the current uh, in the current wild cakes Faust meta. Um, Plane of Foods just seems like a very all-around good ID. Like if there's any one thing that I, I I'm kind of disappointed about Plana is that it is so bland. It is not. Um, it is so bland, and it's not necessarily the most flavorful. Um, in which case, we're not even talking about the mechanics of it, just purely the fact that... Not the most just, flavorful food. It's not... It I, is sustainable. Like, oh it's sustainable flavor. Yeah. yeah. Uh, look, my, my, my concern is, like, I, I'll admit I haven't played with it yet, and I, I definitely concede to everything you've said. It just seems like, is this ability better than the RP ability? Will, will Are you so much more excited to get that extra credit off-click each turn that you're willing to sacrifice the natural defense of replicating perfection if, as you say, most of the Polana food decks are looking like RP decks? I think that maybe my experience is a bit biased, primarily because of the current meta. Well, currently, right now, it's very difficult to play RP um, for no other reason but because even though you are, are supposed to be taxing them on the central first before they go after um, a run on the remote, um, decks, at least right now, decks that are... Primarily using Faust as their breaker are not really being taxed to where that's a fairly big concern. So it seems that the best thing you can do, given the fact that a lot of your ice is going to end up getting killed, is going to be to have this large credit econ to just keep rezzing additional ice so that you still have a sustainable remote. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I think this compares favorably to Hus Bioroid Engineering in the future, which is and has been probably the best identity in that faction by a reasonable margin for the history of the game because it gains you a resource consistently over the course of the game in a way that you can control and in a manner that's likely to trigger every turn if not twice a turn as in on yours and the runner's turn from time to time. Polana Foods ability isn't within your control quite as much uh, with the exception of some of the support cards that we'll see later in the pack uh, but it is likely to trigger on almost every single one of the runner's turns because they're going to be drawing cards consistently over the course of the game particularly if they're playing wild cakes. So in that sense, it's more consistent than building a better world, which also looks like a good economic ID ability, but is likely to trigger so many fewer times than engineering the future that it's proven to not be nearly as good. And I think whilst Polana Foods may be just below engineering the future in terms of power level, uh, because you're not in, as much in control naturally of when it triggers, uh, I think it's close enough to an amazing ID that it's going to be a very good, good ID in and of itself. I just gonna say that I agree with Jesse and Hollis that I think that the replicating perfection ability at this point is perhaps the worst that's ever been because asset economy is so bad and also um, cheap like low cheap and low strength ice which deal the runner some damage which are the best things to do with RP not just necessarily net damage but any sort of thing that doesn't solely end the run is at its worst at the current state because of 
the prevalence of cutlery and ice destruction in general. So I think that this card definitely could, and at this point is almost certain to be better than Replicating Perfection in many of those similar Jinteki control decks. Yeah, I think so too. The next card is Polana Agroplex. Asset, Facility, Res 1, Trash 5, Influence 2. When your turn begins, each player draws one card. So obviously when paired with Planet Foods, this means that on your turn the runner's going to draw a card and you're going to fire your idea ability because it can trigger on each turn. What do we think of this card in a nutshell, however? Wilfie, do you like it? Um, I'm not certain what to think of this card. Usually cards which give both you and the runner benefit have been better than they look, or maybe better than I think that they look, just because you have, by putting it in your deck, you have the ability to gain the benefit of the card much more than the runner potentially. And so that makes me optimistic about this card. The fact that it triggers uh, Polena Foods' ability twice, um, potentially twice, a very powerful thing to do and just is a boost to the economy of Polena Foods. And I think that it pairs naturally well with Operation Economy. So I think that all of those factors combined make it maybe a good fit depending on what the Polena Foods deck is trying to do. The only drawback is that giving the runner more cards is quite bad at the moment because of Faust and also because if you're trying to support keep this asset around it, it lets the runner more easily draw into their breakers um, so as I said I'm not sure what to think it could either be good or bad I think this card is a little bit more narrow than Polana Foods in the sense that it lends itself more to a mid-range or an aggro deck uh, probably more a mid-range deck since you're going to want to sit this in your scoring server and allow it to sort of tick down and gain you advantage. One thing you have to be really careful of with this card though is that particularly in the current metagame, you've got Faust that you're going to be feeding and you've got, as Wilfie said, you're going to be pushing the runner closer to finding the breakers they want and you're going to have to bank on the fact that the credit you're gaining and the card that you're gaining, so the credit from your ID ability and the card from the Agroplex, is going to allow you to develop your game plan, set up that scoring server and pay to res the ice more efficient fashion than the runner is going to be developing their own game plan thanks to your additional card that you're giving them. And I'm not sure that that equation is going to quite work out in the corpse favor in the current metagame. That being said, not every deck is wild, playing Wildside um, and not every deck is feeding its breakers with Faust. But even then, um, getting the runner closer to the cards they want is something you do have to be really careful of. But this will assist in feeding a really smooth mid-range credit curve uh, that may allow Jinteki decks to score out with a couple of pieces of ice and a Caprice and a Batty more consistently than they otherwise would. So it's definitely worth a look in. I also think it's worth noting that the card is not unique. So you could have multiples of these if you were maybe going down a net damage, try to make the runner draw as many cards, to too many than they can realistically play if you want to go down that route. But I think, but I think as Wolfie mentioned, powering Faust is a bigger issue at the moment. Hollis, was this in B-Bomb's deck? It was. Um, so I decided to be a little foolish. When I immediately saw this car, I said, well, this really doesn't quite add up to make, you know, it doesn't make sense to play this necessarily doing a, against a, any sort of deck that utilizes Fausts and Wild Cakes, because at that point, I am simply just giving them additional resources to make sure they can, they can guarantee they make a run every turn or make the runs they need to make. What I thought was interesting, however, was that apparently the jump from having seven cards to eight cards when their turn begins seemed way less significant than I thought. And then on top of that, what seemed to happen more often, and this is where I started, this was, this was the head scratcher and the, the, the more or less surprise, I was noticing that 
the in particular the two wizard decks I did get to play here in this instance, they found themselves overdrawing so much, even just because of this one card, that by the end of the turn was done by the by end of turn, they were actually trashing a card, primarily because they they made the necessary run they needed to make or two runs they needed to make, and it was taxing enough to where it didn't utilize, you know, and leave them with only five cards in hand, left them with six. Now while this is still, you know, a lot of resources, the fact remains that at that current stage of the game, any card that they were trashing that wasn't being used as part of Faust's ability uh, pretty much meant that it's now a wasted resource for them. And, and of course, in that matchup where credits are less of an issue and it's more about the cards in your hand, that seemed to be, that seemed to be advantageous. I, I do want to say that uh, Wolfie hit the nail right on the head. The fact that this deck primarily has economy because of operations, the ability to go, all right, well, draw a free card and then here's a hedge fund into a restructure or into something else. Um, makes the makes the fact that you draw two cards at the start of your turn really interesting. Combine that with the fact that, it, like most Jinteki decks, you're going to be running something close to uh, eight agendas, so the agenda density is still quite low, even with the additional card draw. The next card is Harvester. It's a Jinteki Ice, Code Gate, Res 1, Strength 3, Influence 1. It has two subroutines, and they both read, the runner draws three cards, and then discards down to his or her maximum hand size. I think it's great against Faust because if they're going to just draw a bunch right before they run and then they hit this, that's kind of no happy for them. I say that it seems like a really good way to let the runner, at least in the early turns when these subroutines are likely to be firing, let the runner sculpt their hand into what they're actually looking for. Jesse, do you like this card? Yeah, I think your analysis is probably correct there, Brian, in that this compares very unfavorably to Jackson Howard in the sense that as the corp, Jackson is so good because it allows you to sculpt your hand. It means that you can overdraw and then pitch cards you don't really want. And yes, there's some additional benefit to the corp in doing that because you can reshuffle agendas and Jackson itself allows you to reshuffle whatever cards you discard. Even on those in, in those games where you don't use your Jackson ability to the shuffle ability straight away, where you're pitching things that aren't agendas, just purely the, the fact that you can sculpt your hand and find the cards you need and get rid of the ones you don't really need is an extremely powerful thing. The first time the runner runs into this is probably going to be the best time for them, which is not really what you want your eyes to be doing. You want the first time they hit it to be the worst most of the time. The fact that this is quite taxing on Faust could be a thing, but then they can just get let one of the subroutines fire and then use two of the cards to break the other one, and it's not they're not going to be running through their deck all that quickly, and you've given them some more information in terms of giving them more cards to choose from. So... Yeah, I'm not really seeing how this is going to be that good in the current meta. Uh, but if you, uh, yeah, if you are setting up a situation where a runner is going to be running consistently into a server, uh, and you're wanting to try and drain them of cards, possibly in PE, uh, then this could be a little bit better. That's probably the only situation where I'd want to be using it, and I certainly don't think it's going to be all that good in Polana Foods. The first MBN card is Remote Data Farm. It's an agenda expansion, advance 4, score 2. Your maximum hand size is increased by 2. Now, traditionally, NBNs had a pretty hard time putting new agendas into the mix because they've all got quite a very, you know, very, very big shoes to fill. This one's really comparing with the other 4 for 2. It isn't really in NBN's color pie either. I was yeah, going to say, a yeah. Wayland ability. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, it seems like a Wayland ability, but I mean, you know, in NBN is increasing is in any deck really. We've had the ability to increase your maximum hand size going around since the core set. Is that an ability you want to have? Is it this worth playing over an Exploder Pulitzer or an NAPD if you want to sacrifice the influence? Whilst Cerebral Imaging and Research Station have seen some play over the history of the game, 
you really don't want this ability to be existing on an agenda. It's just so inconsistent. Agenda is the worst card type to have this ability by far, just because the benefit you need to get if you want this ability you want access to it all the time especially when you're setting up uh not when you can already score a four for two agenda I'm, I'm, I'm just complaining now like why couldn't they put like why couldn't they not create an nbn agenda that would like straight up destroy resources like that's so needed come on guys the next nbn card is disposable hq it's an upgrade ambush red res zero trash five influence one if disposable hq is accessed from r&d the runner must reveal it when the runner accesses Disposable HQ, you may add any number of cards from HQ to the bottom of R&D. Uh, so is this one of the fixed Jackson cards we're seeing, sort of coming in now for when Jackson rotates? I'm trying to think of in which situation. It does have a very high trash cost, so it is likely to fire. But uh, what do you? how do you guys feel about it? I know that I don't want to be too down on this card because the ability to control where your, your agendas are is, I think, the key ability that the Corp has and basically the vital skill to manage in winning games of Netrunner as a corp but like mm. I just really don't see why this card is good one if you're really really flooded and you have this card in your hand they're at, and they run your hand they're as likely to hit this as they are to hit an agenda basically yeah just the benefit is really strangely placed the runner needs to A be able to get into your servers and then only after that do you get to hide your agendas on the bottom of R&D you would think that a card like this would be good or a card like Jackson is good because you get to choose when you do it and so you can maximize the recursive potential to be when you're really far behind in terms of agendas. What This card basically does the opposite by kind of making it so that your opponent can already get into your server and then you get the bonus of potentially hiding the agendas so that their next run is... Um, worse, which is not the situation I want to be in. I want to be developing my board constantly so that if the runner can get in, that doesn't happen for too long. And this card basically doesn't help at all without it. In fact, it's useless in that situation. Worth noting, does trigger from archives. So that's something, I guess. Yeah, the fact that it's a May ability is somewhat useful. But the fact that this is in the faction that wants its agendas earlier in the game more often is a little bit annoying the fact that this the shuffling agendas back into your deck or putting them on the bottom of your r&d in this case hasn't been shared around to the other factions is a little bit frustrating because there are certainly other factions that could use it more uh that being said i mean even as wilfie pointed out even in a more controlling deck that isn't wanting to find its agendas early on the utility of this card is really limited because you really have to install it into a server and hope that the runner runs it and even then if you can lure them and bait them into that the only benefit you're getting is to somewhat release the pressure if you're behind and if you're flooded otherwise cards are usually better in your hand than going onto the bottom of your deck if they're not agendas so this has quite limited utility in terms of how you sorry when you can use it but it's also more limited in terms of how you can use it than jackson because you're not shuffling the cards back in so you're not going to be wanting to use it for things like snare or cvs so i don't see it as being particularly strong although upgrades generally do pan out to be better than what they look i don't really see this one doing that the first Wayland card is New Construction. It's an Agenda Public Advance 4 score 2. You install New Construction face up. Whenever you advance New Construction, you may install a card from HQ in a new server and res that card ignoring all costs if there are five or more advancement tokens on New Construction. Uh, one thing to keep in mind, though, is it doesn't install ice. 
Jesse, does this one have you chirping at the bid? No, not really. Um, the problem really with this is that it's competing with Oaktown for the 4 for 2 public agenda slot. And Oaktown is probably the best of the existing public agendas at the moment with the, the current card pool. Uh, and I really don't see this overtaking it because its utility is just so limited it, it's such a narrow card the likelihood of you having in your six card hq presumably you've got five in hand at the end of the, the, your last turn you draw up with your mandatory draw the likelihood of you having this plus two or three other installable cards that you want in new remote servers unprotected is just so low like those cards really don't exist in Wayland in the current card pool. So you're having to rely on sort of a Gagarin strategy that's maybe using asset economy and you're going to have to have this card and asset economy in your hand, have a server set up well enough to score this card that it's not just throwing away masses amount of masses of tempo anyway because you're giving them two points for very little gain. Um, that situation is so narrow and that style of deck is so narrow that it sort of frustrates me to see a card that narrow making it into the card pool but then look we may see some use for it in the future where the benefit of the um, being able to raise for free is really great Uh, but at this stage I I don't see that um, the the default mode is really good enough to justify playing this over Oaktown. In addition to you know it being in my well, in addition to it being as as weird and narrow as it is, the best part of this ability, which is when you get to the five or more advancements, it happens to be in the faction that correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse and Wolfie and Brian, <laughs> but doesn't Wayland have the least number of great assets to res? So it's if if you know if you can't even actually install ice, the cards available to install and res for free are not even that not even that great. I mean, I think the best case is the root. Well, yeah, you could do corporate time. That's pretty good. <laughs> Because it gets around having to forfeit the agenda. That's true also, yes. So, yeah, I mean, meh is how I feel about stuff like this. And that still requires you to have five, yeah. All right, the next Wayland card is Mumbad Construction Co. Asset, res four, trash three, influence three. When your turn begins, place one advancement token on Mumbad Construction Co. Pay two credits, move one advancement token from Mumbad Construction Co. to a face-up card. So obviously this allows you to use that ability at instant speed, which also means that if you have enough advancement cameras on there, you can score things from hand. Jesse, is this the card that Wayland has been waiting for? Not really. I mean, the problems with Wayland are so deep and not really related to inability to fast advance. I mean, that is a weakness of the faction, but the card pool in Wayland lends itself to building a remote server, running the runner through it a couple of times and wasting their resources and then trying to score using that remote server and threatening um, meat damage as well, potentially. This card doesn't really fit into that in the sense that it's expensive to res, um, it's expensive to use, it takes up a slot in that it's an asset, so it doesn't fill that de- defensive upgrade hole. It doesn't fill the ice hole that Wayland has in terms of power level of its playable ice. Um, and instead, it offers you sort of this pseudo-fast advance option. Yeah, so it does only work on public agendas or agendas that have been casting called, um, and I don't really recommend importing casting calls. So we're just going to talk about it in the sense of public agendas. Um, and it is anti-synergistic with them, as you mentioned, Brian. So it's asking you to essentially forego the main benefit of your public agendas that you get for giving up that key information by saying, here's an agenda, come and get it. You miss out on the credits from Oaktown, which are going to allow you to trace and see source and kill someone. Um, you, you're missing out on the advancement counters from Hollywood and any sort of 
combo potential there and you're missing out on whatever other public um, agenda abilities may come out in the future. Which leads me to sort of think that maybe this card and dedication ceremony were designed to be able to work with public agendas abilities because it seems ridiculous to release a mechanic in public agendas and then release these cards that work only with them um, and other face-up cards but don't actually trigger the main ability of your public agendas. It seems like, yeah, it seems like perhaps they realized that there was a, an infinite combo with Hollywood renovation too late or something and then decided to uh, nerf the the synergy through uh, that ruling. But either way, we've ended up with these cards that now seem overcosted for what they do. Uh, I mean, I guess dedication ceremony is not overcosted. It just has very limited utility now um, and a far reduced power level. But this certainly is overcosted at four to res, two to use each time, uh, three to trash only, uh, and only gaining one counter per turn that it's on the table. I mean, being able to keep something that you've already paid for four to res on the table so it accumulates enough counters to be useful um, and then have the money to both defend that and pay two per advancement token to place on your public agenda that you're foregoing the ability of just seems like a very poor trade. Um, and unfortunately, I think this is going to be another card that's going to, people are going to try and use, but it's going to end up in a lot of binders. You could do something crazy with like a um, dedication ceremony, obviously. Yeah, res it, throw it on there. Card three trash threat. I don't know. It's pretty expensive. Five dollars. First neutral corp card is corporate sales team. It's an agenda expansion advanced four score two. When you score corporate sales team, place 10 credits on it. When each player's turn begins, take one credit from corporate sales team. Yeah, I like it a lot better than any other 4 for 2 that gives you money. Here's a, a quick short story slash parallel. So, I played food coats like All You Fine Gentlemen, and I have scored Advanced Concept Hopper in my deck. And one thing I'm noticing is that I would say it is 90-10 as far as percentage um, percentages um, that I will use the ability on Advanced Concept Hopper to gain the credit as opposed to draw a card. I've discussed this with, with my local meta. Have you, yes. have you considered your status as a yellow belly <laughs> when, <laughs> the, when what we, evaluating what we, that? What my local meta has noticed is that it seems more often when you're trying to rush out agendas and things are basically working as they would normally work, you'll be at like a hand of five, right? And so when you know an agenda is about to be scored, it's in the remote, maybe it's protected, and it's the runner's turn, and you're sitting at five, it's very odd when you look at your, your hand of like amazing things with no agendas uh, to go, you know what, on my turn, I think I want to risk it right now. I think I want to go for it and just try to put an agenda in my hand right now at six so that when I score now, I have to remove a, a great card and possibly risk going down to having leaving agendas in my hand. So instead what I do is I make a safer judgment call there and I'll just say, I'll just take the credit because another credit will be useful later. And it's because of this 90... So in a nutshell, it's because you're a coward, but go on. For the most part, um, my new nickname, just, go, just call me Yellow Belly. I'm fine with this. Um, so as a result, because it's that 90-10 split with how often I gain the credit versus draw the card, I can see myself in my HB deck slotting in Corporate Sales Team instead of Advanced Concept Hopper most of the time and being fine. I think this ability is pretty sweet. Wilfie, what do you think? I think it's good. Like, I hope that this card will finally get people to stop playing Corporate War. This might be the nail in the coffin. People play that? Yeah, I, I see so many corporate wars. But yeah, like I like cards like this where the power level is reasonable enough that if you need another 4 for 2 to put in your deck, you can definitely do worse than this, which is good in basically every situation when you score it. Even if not all the time it will be amazing, scoring it still puts you a fair way towards winning the game. 
and so the fact that it means that you don't have to play four for twos which are worse than it in any faction i think is really good for deck construction i just want to say also in my head whenever i look at this card art i imagine us like standing in this like really cool pose with like sunglasses oh Yeah, all right, challenge out to our listeners. If anyone wants to Photoshop the Winning Agenda crew onto the corporate sales team, we'll we'll do something special for you. Uh, the last card in Business First is Pad Factory. It's an asset alliance facility, res 2, trash 3, influence 2. This card costs zero influence if you, had th- if you have three pad campaigns in your deck. Has the ability click, place one advancement token on a card. You cannot score that card until your next turn begins. So this ability basically allows you to you know make advancements without spending the credit but the caveat is not only that you have to be playing three camp three pad campaigns and this card as well but uh you cannot actually score it until next turn so it's ideal for your five for threes or your four for twos or things like that um i'm not sure i like it jesse what do you think yeah so i think the problem with this card is that in the course of Net- a game of Netrunner as the Corp, you're going to be maybe paying uh, maybe paying five to advance five for three, four to advance four for two, and say four to advance another four for two is 13, or if there's a three for two in there, it's 12 credits. Um, in order for this to be of value economically, first you're paying two to res it, then in order just to recoup that, you're going to have to use it to score at least one agenda. And that means, you know, if you want to try and recoup the full 12 or 13, you're going to have to have this in play before you score and then keep it in play until you score your very last agenda right at the end of the game. And with an asset, so it's taking up its own server, with a three trash cost, Wizards trashing it for free, um, and other decks aren't going to have any particular difficulty trashing it, that seems like a really difficult thing to get value from. This card seems chronically underpowered, and I don't really understand why it's got the drawback of not being able to um, score the card that you advance using it this turn, given that you're still requiring a click. So it's exactly the same as your click to advance action that's natural in the game. It's just saving you the credit, and you're paying two for that privilege already. Um, It would be nice, I guess, to be able to use this with biotic labor. So you pay four. Uh, for the labor you install possibly gaining one back from your etf and then you could click your pad factory three times so that you're potentially only paying three net to score a a three for two from your hand with a biotic labor that would be a nice use for it Um, and you could potentially see that that gains you enough tempo to offset the fact that you're paying two to res it um, because it's then becomes um, something that's already paid for itself um and if the runner goes in and trashes it you're already ahead plus you're gaining you know the tempo from the click they have to go and spend to trash it in that situation you may think about playing it in a fast advance deck but the fact that you can't fast advance with this and that it has to be a part of sort of a grindier shell there's better grindier asset econ in the game than this um, and i really don't see this in its current state uh being played at all Mm-hmm. And also, if you are concerned about having money and you're already playing three pad campaigns, you probably don't need the pad factory as well, like, in my opinion. Wolfie? Uh, yeah, I just can't see in what situation this would be efficient enough to include in your deck. Like, I know that it makes your advancements free, but how often can you just spend two... Like, when you're advancing cards, you're... Advancing cards is probably the thing that you spend the least amount of your money on already in a game of Netrunner and so to play an asset that has no benefit but solely to improve that kind of marginal ability I think is kind of 
mediocre. The one thing I will point out is that you don't have to put advancement counters on only cards that can be advanced. So you can put them on like your opponent's stuff, your identity. <laughs> and I think that's probably the best use for the card. And you can't put advancement tokens on cards that aren't installed. That one always comes up for some reason. Well, yeah, yeah. you put them on their, on their identity. I think that's close enough. Yeah. No, I actually think Jacob's just pointed out that you can't do that. I'm sorry, but really, yeah, it has to be it has to be an installed card, and identities are not installed. You can use anything as an identity. Why Go the restriction it? that you can't score it? Because to me, the card. How, even- how well? I mean, if we want to dive into the wild speculation, how busted do you think Hollis this card would be if it was just place an advancement token on a card for a click? I think that. And it's already asking you for a two res card and potentially to have three pad campaigns in the deck. Uh, any final thoughts on the pack, guys? In general. Yeah, I think overall this pack was quite good. Possibly, I guess the the average power level is probably higher than most packs, but unfortunately, a lot of that power sits just below the sort of playability spot, if you like. So there are a, a number of cards in this pack that are quite good, and they're not binder fodder that we'll never see play, uh, but they're probably not quite good enough to be consistently played or even to make it, really into top tier decks um, doing the thing that they're trying to do so that's unfortunate but there are certainly a couple of high powered cards uh, Polana Foods is one and I think uh, Corporate Sales Team is the other one that we'll see a lot of play uh, and there's a few other cards that are quite interesting um, in their own right and may see a little bit of play here and there so overall a pretty good pack yeah this one this pack's pretty straightforward usually usually packs two and three are solid but not super interesting four and five start to get crazy you know uh no this pack i'm pretty excited personally Mumbad, i mean alone has been very exciting for me i i mean i mean seeing it released finally it's just like i was in a slump for a while personally and building decks and this has really opened it up to me i feel like and I, I, at least up here in Seattle, I feel it's kind of the same way. Like most people are pretty excited about the Mumbad cycle, and this pack brings a lot of solid toys. Like everybody's going to want to try a, at least two or three of these cards. I feel like. All right, that's all we have time for tonight for the winning agenda. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at the winning agenda at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at winning agenda, and you can go like our Facebook page, the winning agenda. You can find me in the usual places on Twitter and uh, on Anchor itself. Uh, we actually just added another person, Jamie Perconti, plays out in uh, on the East Coast, and so. Yep, so we have three people on the team now. You tweet at us almost any time of the day and there will be someone to give you an answer, which is pretty exciting. Until next week, we look forward to hearing from each and every one of you, so stay tuned. See you guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in.